Hello and welcome back. And if you're new here, welcome for the first time. I hope that you enjoy this podcast, the story that I'm going to tell you about. And this one is about Evelyn Collin and um, what happened to her and her family really didn't know for quite a while what had happened to her. And she was, well, she was a formerly unidentified American teenager from New Jersey who was found murdered and dismembered in three suitcases along with her unborn daughter on December 20th, 1976. And they nicknamed her Beth Doe because they didn't know who she was. And she was found in Whitehaven, Pennsylvania. The brutality of her crime, the fact that she was pregnant when she was killed, and the length of time that she remained unidentified created national attention. After isotope analysis was conducted in 2007, it was believed that she was an immigrant from Central Europe, from a Central European country. In 2019, it was announced police were considering the possibility that the victim had been a runaway foster child who was last known to be in New York, although the person in question was later located alive and further investigated that the girl was, you know, she is still alive. So on March 31st, 2021, so that wasn't very long ago, um, it was identified that she was a 15-year-old Evelyn Cohen of New Jersey City, uh, excuse me, of Jersey City in New Jersey. In addition, um, the identity of her alleged killer, Luis Sierra, was made public after charges were filed. Um, so when she was discovered, the victim, who had been carrying a nine-month female fetus, and that's an important detail that the baby was a little girl, had, she had been sexually assaulted, strangled, and shot in the neck by an unknown person. Her body was then dismembered with a serrated blade, and the gunshot wound had occurred post-mortem. Her nose, breasts, and ears had been severed and have been found. Um, excuse me, they had never been found, and the dismemberment was described to be unlike that of a surgeon, but not haphazard. Parts of, parts of her body and that of her unborn daughter had been placed into three suitcases, uh, two of which were striped with red, blue, and white, and the other one was tan with a plaid design. They were of a vinyl material and were all the same size. And it was evident that the suitcases had been spray-painted black at some point and their handles had been severed. To dispose of the body, the suitcases were thrown over a bridge or off a bridge over the Lehigh River in Whitehaven, Pennsylvania, along Interstate 80. It's believed that the suitcases had been thrown out of a vehicle traveling west. The killer had most likely intended to have the suitcases land in the water below to lessen the chance of they're being found. However, two of the suitcases had landed in the woods 20 feet from the river, and the third that contained the head and the fetus was found on the riverbank. Having fallen approximately 300 feet, two of the suitcases had opened and parts of the body had emerged. The head, the fetus, and the two halves of the torso were exposed. Other infants Evidence included straw and packing foam as well as a bedspread that was waterlogged with fragments of a newspaper that had been used to wrap parts of the body. 
The newspaper was later determined to have been the New York Sunday from September 26, 1976, and was linked to the northern part of New Jersey. The bedspread was reddish-orange in color with yellow and pink embroidered flowers, and it was a Chanel uh, fabric. The body was removed by authorities and transported in plastic bags to nearby um, Ned and Hutton Hospital for examination. After a three-hour autopsy on December 23, 1976, it was determined that she was a white woman in her late teens or early 20s. However, her identity could not be established, and the cause of death was determined to be strangulation, although she had been shot in the neck as well. Beth Doe was between 4 feet 11 and 5 feet 4 inches tall, and she weighed about 140 to 150 pounds due to her pregnancy. So, taking into consideration that she was nine months pregnant, she really wasn't a, a heavy girl. She, she was just very, very, very pregnant. Her hair, which was shoulder length, was an undyed dark brown, and the medical examiner determined that she was a type O blood. She had some distinctive markings on her body. She had a two to six inch scar that was visible above one of her heels and two moles on her face, one above her left eye and one on her left cheek that may have developed during her pregnancy. Before coming, becoming a teen, some of her molars had been extracted and she had received fillings in her teeth. She had no false teeth. And despite the evidence of previous dental care, she had likely not seen a dentist in some time as she was suffering from severe tooth decay. One of her front incisors had a visible fracture, which was noted to likely have caused severe pain. And it was believed that she was probably born in, a Euro in Europe and moved to the United States before reaching her teen years as examined of her tooth en enamel indicated. An initial anthropological Examinated, examination indicated that she may have originated from Serbia or Croatia. Isotope tested was, testing was conducted on her hair, teeth, and bones. She had lived in the United States for five to ten years and most likely resided in Tennessee or a nearby state. Examination on the unborn girl indicated that the child had gestated while the victim was in the southeastern part of the country. So that's fascinating that they could get all that information. Okay, so after the body was found, the victim was fingerprinted, her teeth were examined and recorded on a dental chart. Missing persons reports throughout the United States and Canada were compared to the victim, but were excluded. The medical examiner noted that a number, a set of numbers had been written on the victim's body. The ink, believed to have been from a pen, was on the left palm of the victim, indicating that she was right-handed if she had indeed written them herself. And the writing consisted of the letters WSR and the number 45, followed by 47. Her fingerprints were submitted to the FBI, but they didn't match anyone in the national database. She remained unidentified. A sketch was made, and the public was asked for assistance. This resulted in very few solid leads. Information about the case was subsequently published across the country to generate leads. Um, in 1983, the body was buried after the re victim remained unidentified for a number of years. In 2007, her remains were exhumed to obtain additional forensic evidence and to create new facial reconstruction. 
the National Center for Missing and Exploiting Children released um, two reconstructions, the latest in May of 2015. Investigators remained optimistic about identifying the remains and solving the murder, and there were several women that had been excluded as possible identities, um, probably close to 10 or 12 maybe. In December of 2019, the Pennsylvania State Police announced a possible connection between Beth Doe and Madeline Maggie Cruz. A tip was submitted to the police by an individual who had gone to school with Cruz and saw a resemblance to the reconstructions of Beth Doe. She'd spent time in Massachusetts cities of Lenox and uh, Framingham. In Framingham, she resided with a foster family. Around 1974, at approximate age of 16, she had run away to Terrytown with her foster sister, returned after a week. In the summer of 1976, she called a friend to request money, claiming that she was pregnant, and she was never heard from again until the media reported the potential link to Beth Doe. Later that month, police confirmed that Cruz was alive and well and frequently and was subsequently eliminated as a potential identif- identity. Oh, so how do we know who this person is? Well, here's what happened. Familial DNA eventually led investors, investigators to Louise, Louis, Louis Colon Jr., Evelyn Colon's nephew. Colon's identity was released on March 31st, 2021, so just a few months ago, really. She was 15 at the time that she was allegedly murdered by who was uh, Louis, Louis Sierra, who was 19 at the time. Sierra is subsequently charged with the victim's murder. At the time of his arrest, he was residing in Ozone Park, New York. and He was 63 years old. He was extradited back to Pennsylvania, and he first appeared in court on April 28th. At the time of her murder, Cologne, who was of Puerto Rican origin, was dating Sierra, the father of her unborn, and the father of her unborn child in Jersey City. Due to her pregnancy... Cologne's parents recently had allowed her to move into an apartment with Sierra, who had also previously been the Cologne's next-door neighbor. So they kind of knew this guy. And one day, Cologne contacted her mother, saying that she wasn't feeling well and asked her mother to bring her soup. But when her mother arrived, nobody was there. Neighbors told her family that she and Sierra had moved away. And in January of 1977, the family received a letter in Spanish from Sierra, stamped from Connecticut, telling them that she had given birth to a baby boy and not to worry because she would contact them if she needed anything. So he never even knew the sex of the baby. Baby was a little girl, if you remember. Colin's family initially didn't report her missing because, according to her brother, Luis Colin, they thought that she was safe with Sierra. After a few years of no contact, they attempted to report her disappearance, but due to the letter, police refused to file a report, which, is, you know, that kind of bothers me because the letter was written in Spanish. I don't know. It doesn't say that she was able to speak and read and write Spanish, but she was obviously European. She she wasn't from a Spanish-speaking country, so that letter, you know, wasn't written by him, and it should have been considered suspicious at the at the start of things, so I don't think that was the right thing to do. But anyway, by the time uh, 
colon was identified, both her parents had died. So that's, that's really sad. They never knew what happened to their daughter. She had just disappeared and they thought that she was safe and they'd never met their grandchild or granddaughter, of course, because she wasn't safe either. Um, and they never really knew what happened. That, that's really, really sad. But all these years later, they finally did figure out who murdered her. And um, since this is so recent, I'm sure that he's still incarcerated waiting for his sentencing, which doesn't really look too good because they have DNA evidence. So another sad story about... A girl who was a child, but also a domestic partner that ended in tragedy. Um, that's the end of the story for now. Maybe later on we'll find out what the sentencing was for Sierra. But at, at this point, we're just waiting to see. Um, I do hope that everybody stays safe. And I will talk to you again. Bye-bye.